0: Welcome to Getting Goosebumps, The Power of Storytelling, the weekly podcast helping you to craft stories that inspire, entertain, and convince. Each week, listen to leading industry experts, from top marketers and CEOs, to producers and writers from the entertainment industry. Learn how to elevate your brand message, and spare your audience into action. So this time on Getting Goosebumps, for the second time I hook up with Joe Politzi, the legend of content marketing and brand storytelling. Joe is the founder of Content Marketing Institute, which is the leading education and training organization for content marketing, and some say it was Joe that first coined the phrase content marketing. To back that up, he's written five books on the subject, including his latest, Killing Marketing, and over the course of the conversation this time, we discuss how content and customer interaction is driving the growth and dominance of Amazon among the big four online brands, and how companies' brand storytelling needs to be aligned with its purpose. We also talk about the fact that content marketing is something that 99% of businesses are still doing wrong. So sit back and enjoy the content marketing wisdom of the one and only Joe Polizzi. So hello and welcome back to another show, guys. This week I am absolutely honoured to have uh, Joe Polizzi back on the show. It's been a while. Uh, I'm really looking forward to catching up. So, Joe, thanks again for for coming back on the show. Really appreciate it.
1: No, yeah, we were just trying to figure it out that it's been a little more than two years. So, I've been, you know, I've been waiting for you to call me, and I'm <laughs> a little bit disappointed. <laughs> gotta tell you. <ya. laughs>
0: well, time flies when you're having fun, Joe. And exactly. you know, well, I think we should make it a thing now. We'll uh, we'll talk every two years, no matter what happens, eh? All right
1: holiday season 2019 you and i that's it we're doing it book it
0: so, so <laughs> it's in the diary so a lot's happened in uh, in two years and i've just seen joe that you're actually stopping your podcast but um an interesting an interesting take on it because you're saying you, you're stopping not because it's failing or anything but because it's a height of success what's uh what's the story behind that yeah.
1: It was, it was a tough decision. So, I mean, just to go back since you and I have talked. So we talked in 2015. Uh-huh. In June of 2016, um, we sold content marketing institute to UBM, London based events company. Uh, so they were really looking at our, you know, our big event, content marketing world, which is still the, the largest in person content marketing event and I and and we were you know my wife and I own the company we were looking for a successful exit found a great company in UBM and my time as an employee it is done at the end of 2017 so I mean I'm still gonna you know still gonna be a content marketing world but I'm moving out of operations starting January 1st and that means I'm you know not going to do any writing I'm um, we we uh, Robert Rose and I stopped the podcast, which was actually to your point very tough because we were our uh, listenership was at an all time high, so we had to you know make that difficult decision. But for me personally, I I'm going on a six month sabbatical in January. I'm doing no internet January, so no social media, no email or anything. And on Friday, I'm going on a couple of bucket list trips. One with my dad to Italy, and uh, so. I'm really excited about it. It's sort of a transition to me and I'm going to take a step back in, in the content marketing industry and and let the, the team, the great team at content marketing Institute do their thing. But so that's, it's sort of a, you know, a personal journey to parts unknown and we'll, we'll see what happens, but I'm, I'm really excited about it.
0: Wow. That sounds, sounds really exciting. So it's six months. You've put a time frame on it. Um, What, what do you think you'll do once you've got that out of your system and um, you've Taking some time
1: out, and well, you know, you know this because we've talked before. I'm a serial entrepreneur, so that I've started a, a quite a few businesses in my day. Have had two successful exits, and I have a number of journals that I write business ideas in. And I think there's an there's actually some kind of bet going on with my friends <laughs> that I'm not going to be able to last six months. <laughs> and I think they have money on like a day in you know March or April where. You know, I actually launched the the next business opportunity. I'm actually going to try to push away from that. I don't know. And this is the toughest part for me, Brian. And I know, you know, your podcast isn't necessarily about an entrepreneur or individuals sort of finding their way in life. But I'm I'm really going to try to lean into this thing in January, spend some more time with my family. I got two teenage boys and try to be. Um, I don't want to say it's fi- about finding boredom, but I read, an, I read a, an interesting article by the former CEO of About.com that took a, a, a sabbatical, a, sort of a no electronic sabbatical, no doing work, no meetings for six months. And he said it changed his life and it really, you know, he was able to find purpose in life. And although I feel like I've got a pretty good purpose, I'm going to sort of lean into it that way. Mm-hmm. and we'll see so the answer the that's a long answer to your <laughs> short question of i'm going to try to last as long as i possibly can and give this a shot because it's very difficult for me to sit and not be focused on what's going on with the business and what's the next thing and i've got a thousand things going on in my head i'm going to just try to take a break before i launch into something new
0: wow that really is exciting then and you just um, you go going with the flow and I mean, six months out of content marketing is, you know, quite a long time. And you've made some predictions for next year. So, what what do you think is going to be the biggest difference when you when you come back? Uh, what what do you think might have changed?
1: Well, by that time, Amazon could totally rule the world. Uh, it's, it seems <laughs> that's like any day now. Any yeah, day it's now. any day. Uh, that's sort of you know. It's interesting. I read the book "The uh, Four by Scott Galloway. I don't know if you've read it yet. No, I haven't. No, but he's a fantastic uh, public speaker. If you ever get a chance to, you know, ring it up on on YouTube, but um, he really talks about like who is who's the next in line to dominate. Is it Amazon? Is it Facebook? Is it is it Apple? Is it Google? And it really makes the case for for Amazon being able to dis- disrupt pretty much any industry out there. Um, so I'm, I think that that's that's going to be interesting, and of, of course having to do with content, the amount of content, the billions of dollars in original content that they're creating as part of their Prime package mm-hmm. is amazingly interesting. That they're trying to sort of dominate that por- portion of of their consumers' attention. Uh, I see a lot of. Acquisitions happening, non-traditional acquisitions. Of course, we just saw uh, Disney purchase uh, 20th Century Fox, so that's interesting from a, a media standpoint. I think you're going to start to see more of these things happen on the brand side. You're going to see the the Cisco Systems of the world. You're going to see, uh, you know, B two B companies like Rockwell Automation and Lincoln Electric, and 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 those companies purchase blog sites influencer sites, uh, small media sites, Uh, I think there's a huge opportunity there. It's just, for the most part, you've got brands like that that just aren't thinking about it, Mm -hmm. and they're going to look and say, well, should I buy or build? And they're going to look at build, and they're going to say, wow, it's it's really hard to do this. It's really hard to build an audience over time. I've got to be patient. It's going to take me 12, 18, 24 months to really build a Subscriber base that knows, likes, and trusts us, let's go out there and, and buy. And we've done that at Content Marketing Institute three different, three separate occasions. It's worked very well for us. You know, we we're looking for an event, we're looking for an awards program. Those kinds of things are out there for the taking if you start to think about it. And then, my long term, this is not a content marketing thing or a storytelling thing, but I guess depending on how you look at it, my long term prediction is that. This is going to happen in two thousand and nineteen. Apple will buy Disney, yeah I believe that's to happen <laughs> It's just uh, this twentieth century Fox thing sort of puts a, a kink in my plans, but I see that Pixar and Apple coming together, the former Steve Jobs companies mm-hmm. and becoming one and Apple's going to do that um, I think more out of desperation than anything else because of what amazon is 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 doing and impacting them. Um, which is hard to say right now because you're thinking, Amazon, Apple, do they compete? Yeah, absolutely, they compete. Oh yeah, and absolutely. oh, and it's it's gonna it's gonna get really nasty coming up, and you're gonna see, Facebook, Google, Apple have to step up their game from an acquisition standpoint even more than they already do. Mm-hmm. So it's I think it's gonna be fun to just watch that happen.
0: Yeah, well, do you know what, I I, I totally agree, and the interesting thing is, I mean, I'm literally sat surrounded by Apple devices now, you know, I've always bought Apple, but I'm starting to fall out of love with Apple, purely because um, of the size they've become, and it seems to be about profit now. Now, it's interesting to me that, because if you look at Amazon, they are huge, and they're you know, a huge the competitor. Um, but actually, I see them now as being more innovative than, than Apple. Yeah. Um, you know, this sort of um, screenless sort of internet they're going after with the, the voice and all that kind of stuff. They're growing at a rate of knots. I think you're absolutely right. They're going to, you know, buy up everything that they need to to dominate. But actually, I've, from a brand sentiment point of view, um, I've, I've still got admiration for, for Amazon. So what does it take... To keep brand sentiment and keep a good positive story from a brand point of view whilst growing at a rate of knots you know and and dominating a market because that's that's a tough balance you know that's a tough thing to pull off right
1: well it's interesting if you look at some of the marketing that comes through Amazon they will tell you that they are the most customer centered company in the world Mm -hmm. and you look at look at their about us page look at their emails, they say they're more focused on the customer needs than any company in the world. That's sort of their mission statement. Now, you, you and I can argue and, and say, well, have they gotten too big for that? You know, it, it, the, Some of these packages, are, are they're, they're growing so fast, I think it's even tough for them logistically to keep up with all this demand. Mm-hmm. But that's their focus. So when they started as the electronic bookseller, they were like, okay, well, what are what are we trying to do? We're not the long game was not to sell, or not to sell books, uh, you know, e-commerce books. It was well, let's figure out what these customer needs are, figure them out better than anyone else, and deliver based on the needs that we find out. And they still do that. Mm-hmm. They still absolutely, and they said oh, that's how they're why they're getting into. Oh, should we get into the pharmaceutical business? Should we get into this business? Should we get into that business? Well, now they're in just about. Any business they want to get in, but it's this focus on the customers' needs. That, so to your point, if we look at any company out there, that it's not that's not rocket science. What are who are who are my customers? What's keeping them up at night? What's their in our case, what we're talking about? What's their informational needs? What's their pain points? And how do we deliver on those pain points on an ongoing basis? That the the the, the, the reason why companies fail at that is not usually because they're not delivering really good, amazing content. is because they don't do so consistently, and they give up over time. Mm-hmm. I, somebody asked me this the other day. I had an interview two days ago, and they were talking. They said, Joe, Content Marketing Institute's been so successful. Why is your, why, how have you created better content than anyone else out there in your industry? And I said, we haven't. We have not created better content than anyone else. We've lasted longer. It's a war of attrition. We've consistently delivered when there's been some amazing companies out there that have just delivered great uh, video programs and e-books and e-newsletters. But then they'd go like nine months and then they'd give up. They'd stop. They'd do something else. It'd be some kind of campaign. So I think that's the real difference. I mean, yes. First of all, are you delivering something that's truly compelling and differentiated on an ongoing basis? We can argue that Amazon does that. And and so that's the one thing that we have to do as as enterprises, as businesses to deliver to audiences. But the most important thing is, are you delivering consistently over a long period of time to be able to build loyalty and trust and likability so that they'll actually prefer you over and they'll actually say, hey, it's a no brainer. I absolutely want to buy from that company. They've been delivering so much value over a long period of time. So those are the of the two things that I would focus on, and everyone gets so focused on the content itself, which Mm -hmm. is they should be. Don't get me wrong. Absolutely should be. But at the end of the day, if you're not delivering consistently over time, it's almost not worth doing. Just go buy advertising.
0: (laughs) Yeah, the other thing I'm hearing you say, Joe, is um, it's important for that storytelling, that content to be in line with your true purpose. And also, the true purpose needs to be absolutely crystal clear and i guess um what i'm seeing in the marketplace now is the brands that have a very clear purpose in fact the brands that have a higher purpose that people can buy into with their hearts and minds they those guys those guys are winning as well as long as they're doing it consistently is is that is that happening more and more in your opinion by design oh,
1: ab- no absolutely true uh I'll give you an example. We talk about this and Robert Rose and I talk about this in our, our latest book Killing Marketing. And nothing against the folks at ExxonMobil, you know, one of the largest companies in the world. But if you just go to their go to their homepage and click on their mission. Click on about us and click on the mission. And you, and the mission is all about how to deliver profits to shareholders. That's the mission statement. And I honestly feel sorry for the marketing people at Exxon Mobil. How do you, how do you create co- engaging content based on that from a corporate mission standpoint? It's it's, it's impossible.
0: It's horrible. You,
1: it's actually- you can't do. it. You literally can't do it. You have to make up your own mission that has nothing to do with the mission of the company. Yeah. So when you t- when you look at an Amazon mission and you're you're look- looking at, boy, how do we make our customers' lives easier? In some way. How can we lighten their burden in some way? Now, whether or not that they deliver on that mission, we can argue about it, but that's a pretty amazing mission. Mm -hmm. You go to ExxonMobil, and they're like, we really want to drive that share price up. That's really what we're trying to do. How are you Uh, going to deliver amazing videos, podcasts, (laughs) blog posts, whatever? You can't do it. You absolutely can't do it. So that's why That that's why if I'm a marketer today, I'm looking, the first thing I'm saying is why are we here? Why is our business and so let's break that apart a little bit. What I would like to see when I go into an enterprise, I want to see the why focused on what's the outcome for the audience. That's what I really want to focus on. That's like and then how can we deliver as a company on that? So who's the audience we're targeting? What are their problems? and what is their outcome. And so, then I can get really excited about a story behind that. Cuz then we could really dig into some incredible uh, you know ongoing pieces of information delivered to that higher purpose. And that's and of course, if you call it higher purpose marketing, you see the rise of B corporations. These these things are happening and those are organizations that have a better opportunity to market more effectively because they're led with an organizational purpose that Makes sense, and if it's just a very st- structured, this is who we are mission, boy, That that's where as a marketer you got to have second thoughts about maybe going somewhere else. Yeah, <laughs> because, oh, I, know, I, I wouldn't want to do it, absolutely. I wouldn't want to do it, it'd be terrible.
0: <laughs> I guess, um, driving share value is better than um, killing the environment, so <laughs> I guess that's well, yes. I, <laughs> 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 it's like.
1: I guess you're like, well what's the best purpose yeah. that
0: we can what could we can come up with? But there's get. a
1: you know what? There's a story there. Yeah. yeah. I can make and, and and what's interesting is if you look at some of ExxonMobil's and not the pick on Exxon, lots of good people work at ExxonMobil, so I don't want to get any hate mail here. But when you when you look at some of their uh, television spots, mm-hmm. some of them are actually not bad. They're really talking about how we need to think differently about energy efficiency. Now, whether you believe that or not, mm-hmm. they're doing, that's a whole different thing. But they're trying to communicate that issue. The problem is somebody else made up that mission in the organization. That's not based on the corporate mission. It's based on something else. Yeah. yeah. So that's where then you have this disjointed feel where, and, and this is, I think, what you're talking about a lot in your has to have this consistent storytelling, this consistent brand feel throughout everything because what you're going to have is, well, the blog posts, are different than the advertising, are different than the PR, are different than the podcast they do. It's like, what is this company? It doesn't make sense. The so one thing you could say about Apple that they've done a fairly good job of, they've been fairly consistent um, throughout most of, of what they've been trying to communicate for, for a very long time,
0: even yeah. though I
1: would agree with you, they're really just focused on profits. I mean, that's the one thing that the new CEO coming in for Steve Jobs has done really well, right? Mm-hmm. He's like, you know what? We were all about innovation. Now we're going to be the most profitable company in the world. And they've done a pretty good job at that.
0: Yeah, they have, but they've, they've definitely um, lost some love of mine, you know, and I think it's 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 partly down to exactly that direction they've taken. But here's one for you, Joe, um, talking about sort of purpose and higher purpose. So, so my company, we're a, a digital marketing company, but we help, Businesses and brands market in order to find talent, not customers. So we design employer brand, and what what we're starting to find is when we tell the true stories of talent that works for a brand, it resonates and it does its job. It helps find um, more great talent that's attracted to that sort of culture and that kind of stuff. But because it's authentic um, and genuine, and you know, from the words from the mouths of, of of People within the organisation. It's also spilling over um, and having an effect on the consumer marketing because at the end of the day, it's just all brand and the sentiment is positive and it's genuine and authentic. Have you any thoughts on um, the crossover of those two things, consumer marketing and um, talent acquisition marketing, and and why do you think why do you think that we're seeing that sort of that trend? Of uh, employer brand, um, adding value to to the consumer marketing efforts.
1: Well, I, I think you're absolutely right, and I think if you actually have a compelling story to tell, mm-hmm. and some and you have a group of you have an audience engaging in this, so let's let's take our old favorite standby that we have we're contractually obligated to talk about. Let's talk about Red Bull for a second, <laughs> and Red and Red Bull Media House. I think we can all agree. That Red Bull is a horrific drink. It doesn't taste it doesn't taste good at all. But yet they still do incredibly well. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think that, that they have this culture in this field they communicate this ongoing through the stories that they tell. Red Bull Media House, a profitable entity all into itself. Uh-huh. Who doesn't want to work for Red Bull? When you when you de- when you deliver that kind I mean the, the Red Bull is not about a bad tasting soft drink. Red Bull is all about wh- whether you want to say it's giving you wings or whether or not it's taking chances, uh, being more than what you can, you know, being more than yourself, you mm-hmm. know, all of those things. Probably that's what they communicate through their stories. How how do you think that they uh, drive all this interest for people to work, and they've got lineups for people that want to work at Red Bull, no matter what the jobs are. Because that's a great story you want to be involved in that you want to be a part of that mm-hmm. so that's where to your point if you let's let's say that I'm going to, going to do an out an external effort let's let's you know if you go to Red Bull you have Red Bull has red bulletin magazine they have 2.5 million or so subscribers you can find them in every airport the magazine in every airport as well um, what what's the job of that publication? Well, the job of that publication is obviously to create fans, to create fanatics mm-hmm. about the rent, even if they don't. And what they found out is even people that don't actually like Red Bull, they still talk favorably about Red Bull. And so part of that job is, to your point, is is to find talent, is to get those true fans to become employees because your most important marketers are your employees. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So it all works one and the same. And you've probably seen this more than anyone. When you go in and you've got two disjointed efforts and you've got, let's say, HR or talent management and a completely separate role in the organization than marketing communications, that's a problem. Mm -hmm. That's a huge problem. And I think we're seeing this come together. Hopefully you're seeing it come together because when it's not – and you're not on the same page? why well, you got problems.
0: Well, absolutely, and probably just a couple of years ago, we were going into organisations and we were meeting um, everybody for the first time, but we were introducing the HR teams to the marketing teams because they've never actually met, you know. Um, but but now I'm seeing that, that that's definitely definitely changing. But um, just to your point about Red Bull, Joe, last time we last time we spoke. Um, we talked. You called it. You you talked about Netflix as the the biggest content marketing platform on the planet, and you I think you referenced Red Bull last time, or I think it was an example of um, you because know, they were putting out content that was Netflix worthy. Then yep. you know, and they were they've been building audiences for for a long time. So that's absolutely um, still a case. Do you think? I, th- and I think we were touching on it earlier as well. Do you think? the idea of entertainment platforms um, completely merging with business marketing is a, is a clear trend that's only going to continue.
1: I don't know if that's a clear trend. I think that what we need to get out of our minds as marketers and consumers doesn't matter, but as a marketing professional Mm -hmm. is that there's no line anymore between media and non-media. Uh huh. So whether or not uh, I think that we're like, oh, yeah, entertainment. Netflix is a media company. Am, uh, you know Amazon, what are they? They're everything, right? I mean, they're a media company, they're pharmacy, they're everything. They're in every industry. Um, so, you know, we, we talked about acquisitions before. Like, okay, well, uh, a brand, a product brand is going to buy a media company. A media company should, could buy a product brand. I mean, I, I talk about BuzzFeed a lot because I think that company's so interesting. You know, one of the the leading social media media companies, if you will, of our of our day that launched uh, over a decade ago. Well, they now sell housewares. They sell a smart cooker, and you can find in different department stores now. They sell print on demand cookbooks. So, what is BuzzFeed? Is BuzzFeed a media company or is it a product and service company? Well, they're they're both. So that's where I think that we have to get, where we have to understand that it's. Uh, when we, de- when we develop audiences that know, like, and trust us, we now have an opportunity to monetize that audience in 10 different ways. I can, pro- I can sell products. I can sell services. I can get donations. I can sell advertising. I can create my own events. I can sell premium content. You can do all those things. Now, generally, if we look at the, the traditional content marketing approaches. You're like, oh, I'm going to create a loyal audience, and then they're going to know, like, and trust me so much, I'm going to then sell – my products and services. They'll be more likely or I'm going to keep them longer as customers like John Deere's The Furrow Magazine where they've been publishing for 120 years. Why does John Deere produce that? Because people are more likely to buy John Deere equipment if they subscribe to that magazine. But we have now opportunities to monetize that in multiple ways. And if you need an example of that, Amazon. (laughs) why 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 does Amazon deliver all that content for a Prime membership. Well, first of all, they're monetizing it through Prime membership. But we might get that Prime membership um, whether or not we – because of the shipping. Mm-hmm. Th- that's what we want. Well, they want more of your time and attention so they can sell you all kinds of stuff. They can mo- they can monetize it 10 different ways, no problem. But we think about that as Amazon is different than any other company, than a Cisco Systems, than a John Deere. It's not so that's where I think the opportunity, and all I want marketers to realize is that you are making choices on how you monetize your content. It's fine if you just want to sell more products and services or create more leads or do whatever. Or or in your case, find better employees. All good. That's all good. But you have to realize that you're making choices, and that's the business model aspect of it. So back to your very short question that I have a long-winded answer to, <laughs> It's uh, it doesn't matter. We're all in the entertainment industry. We're all in the business information industry, whether we like it or not. It's just some people are really good at it and some people are horrible at it.
0: Yeah, well, absolutely. And um, if you look at Netflix and, and Amazon, behind the scenes, they're getting smarter at um, optimizing content, personalizing content creating um, content that they predict you will like based on algorithms and AI and that kind of stuff. And we're seeing more content that isn't just sort of broadcast, it's more immersive, experiential, interactive content as well. What are your thoughts on um, producing content um, that is designed to get an audience engaged so you get some sort of response? Are there any sort of key ingredients to to that sort of thing, or is there a formula or an approach that you'd recommend.
1: So here's what I would you know it's it's oftentimes in in this part of the part of the conversation we might talk about virtual reality or AI you know artificial intelligence you know doing things that you can leverage with technology to Mm -hmm. create a more immersive experience. And my answer to that is if you don't even have a documented Strategy, content marketing strategy, and you're looking at that stuff. Boy, are you in trouble! <laughs> like you, you can't do any of those things unless you have structured content of right. any kind. So let's just go back to the beginning. So here's what I would say to anybody that's trying to say how how do we create uh, content that's we're talking about? That's all we're. T- be, and then they'll they'll reach out to you. They'll they'll share your content. The, the biggest thing that I see, besides consistently delivering content, this is the biggest thing I see. I don't know if you see this, but when somebody launches a program, and whether whether it's a video program or audio or whatever, targeted to a particular audience, generally the competitive set seems to be between 30 and 50 companies talking about that kind of thing. Like, for example, somebody if, uh, if ExxonMobil would launch something about, energy efficiency or something, you can pretty much guarantee that BP and uh, and the other energy companies are talking about the same thing. Yeah. And then you've got 10 other media companies talking about it and then 10 other bloggers and 10 other influencers and whatnot. So w- immediately, the first thing we do is we start talking about things that so many other people are talking about. And, and you're basically telling it in the same way that there's no way you're going to break through and create an audience that cares about it because they can get that information anywhere. Mm-hmm. So I would I would go back to the basics and say, all right, well, first of all, who are we targeting? Are we targeting a specific audience? Are we targeting one audience at a time? And then when we're creating our information, I call it in my uh, 2015 book, Content Inc., I call it the content tilt. Are we creating an area of differentiation in our story where we actually can break through all this clutter that's out there do we actually have an opportunity to break through all that clutter so when you look at your competitive set if that competitive set is more than five for that content you're not niche enough you you have to go deeper because it's too hard to break through even if you promote it properly so that's where i would go and that's where you could like i'll give you an example for content marketing institute if Content Marketing Institute started a content marketing blog today, like we did in 2007, we'd never get any traction on it. It's too broad. There's how many content marketing blogs are there right now? Oh, I don't know, a thousand? <laughs> yeah, at least. There's no way. What are? How are we going to break through? But but yet you've seen this in the agency industry. It's like, oh yeah, we we offer content marketing services. Let's create a content marketing blog. Well, good luck with that. <laughs> Nobody's going to pay attention to that, even if it's really good information. You can't break through. It's, you have to do something different.
0: It's, <laughs> so. No, it's so true. But um, if you have to estimate, Joe, you know, how many how many brands typically do you think are still writing humdrum average content and hitting publish just because they've got to tick uh, a list of we've got to get a blog out this week, you know? And you know, what would you say to them to to, to wake people up? In order to reassess, put more effort in, and and really focus on quality over uh, quantity, because that that's still prevalent, right?
1: Oh, I am, oh my God! It, it is such it is an epidemic right now. Uh, if the the companies that are doing wrong are ninety nine percent, probably higher mm-hmm. than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I'm. I, I see all these blogs out there, mark, you know, from from marketing media companies that say content marketing is dead, it doesn't work and what. And I'm like, look, it does work, but nobody's doing it right. <laughs> like we just think because we can create content easier than we ever have and hit publish faster quicker than we ever have that that we have a right to do that. We don't. Stop it. Like I our goal is not to create more content it's actually to create we want to create less content with more results that's really what we want to do but generally what happens is we're creating more content for less results or no results at all so what generally what we do when we go into cmi where we're mostly large billion dollar global brands we'll go in and we'll do a content audit and they're creating all kinds of content they got content going in every channel they got facebook twitter they're publishing on LinkedIn. They're doing podcasts and blogs and events. And oh, they got—they're—they're they're spreading so much content out. They don't—they're like, oh my god, we're doing more and more content. This is crazy. And we go in and we're like, well, how much of it is working? And then you really get down to it, and pretty much none of it's working. It's just a bunch <laughs> of noise that they're creating. And we ask the question. You ask the tough questions. Well, what if you stop? Like, what if you stop all stop right now? Stop creating any of that content. Would anything happen? Would your customers miss it? Would they say, oh, my God, you know, you stopped that Friday tweet. That Friday afternoon tweet, I was really looking forward to that. But you, you, didn't, you, didn't, you don't publish that anymore. What happened? No, nobody cares about your stuff. So we've got to get to a point where let's do this the right way. And doing it the right way is probably just saying, look, here's a very particular audience that we have something uh, important to say. There's a purpose behind it, to your point. Let's deliver something really, really valuable and consistently to them over time. Build an audience of subscribers that actually want to get that information on an ongoing basis. Work out all the bugs. Do that really, really well. And then start diversifying from there. Then you can say, okay, well, we've launched. Oh, we've got 10,000 subscribers. This is fantastic. They're all talking about it. This is great. They're thanking us every week. We've got something here. Then we can say, oh, now we can launch the podcast off of that. Then you can maybe launch the customer event off of that. Then you built yourself a little content platform to that particular audience. And then you go to the next one. And you know what? This is not rocket science. This is what media companies have been doing since the dawn of time. It's no different. Just because we have a hundred more channels doesn't mean you treat this any different. The the formula is the same. It's just for some reason, instead of focusing on one thing at a time and one audience at a time, we think, Oh my God, we got all these audiences, we got all these lines of business. Let's just blast the heck out of it and see what sticks. It's,
0: so, it's so awesome. true. It's a terrible it's,
1: it's, <laughs> it's terrible. It is an epidemic. You see this it's all silly. the time. It's given it's given the industry a bad name and it's going to continue because you have marketing people that don't know anything about publishing. They don't know what how you build a loyal audience over time. You don't they don't know how to monetize it. They just grew up in the world of interruption. So they treat content like advertising and just use it to interrupt
0: uh, I mean, it, absolutely. But for me, you know, long may continue. Because if everybody became great marketers, my job would be a lot yeah, harder. Well, you're going to have a lot of work ahead of you. You're <laughs> yeah. going to be busy, my friend. Yeah. This
1: is, uh, yeah, and it's so we've got. So, I mean, even though content marketing as an industry is hundreds of years old, storytelling, is, storytelling has been around since uh, man and woman were on this earth. So this th- this is not a new thing, but still we don't understand how to do it well marketers do not um so we've got a long long way to go and that creates an opportunity
0: yeah so there's your
1: opportunity for companies that really do take a thoughtful approach to it target one audience group at a time want to be the best in the world in that particular area build an audience those are those are the ones that are going to be successful
0: yeah no absolutely so you know there's obvious dangers of not knowing what you're doing and doing it anyway, but in your in your new book, Joe, uh, you talk about um, does what we know hold us back in marketing in, in killing marketing. What what do you mean by that? Can you tell us a little bit about your your latest book?
1: So um, you know, we've had the opportunity to work with a lot of very large businesses, and and even though the the control of the different channels have changed. It's basically moved from media companies and brands with really large advertising budget. And it's, and it's moved to consumers that have a 24-7 informational device with them at all times. They don't need to rely on just the eight channels that we had before 1990. Now we've got hundreds of thousands of channels. So that has completely changed, but the marketing department and the setup and the function of marketing in most organizations haven't changed at all. It's still exactly the same. Oh, sure, they've added, oh, we've added a little content group here. We added a social media group here. We've added a digital group here, but it's still pretty much built around campaigns and interruption. We have not changed at all. (laughs) So here's the opportunity. What if we looked at it a little different? I mean, as Peter Drucker said, I mean, uh, our opportunity is to create a customer That's the purpose of marketing is to create a market and create a customer not to go find a customer necessarily go create that customer mm-hmm. create create a community differentiate yourself through communication We can't the only way we can differentiate ourselves today as as brands is to communicate differently because everything else can be copied. Everything else about our product and service can be copied. The price can be copied, the place, the distribution, all that can be copied today. The only thing that's different is how we communicate. I really do believe that. So the whole idea is what we talk about in Killing Marketing is I think we're doing it wrong. I think we're doing marketing wrong, and I think we we need to instead of saying here's what we're going to sell and then how do we market that, I think we focus on who is our audience, who are we really talking to, how do we build a relationship with that audience on an ongoing basis? And then what do, what, what do they want to buy? Secondarily, mm-hmm. I think that's the absolute greatest business model. Those are, the, those are the companies that I think in the future you're going to see grow really fast That say, let's just create a relationship with these customers. And, and then we can sell them anything. BuzzFeed's is a really good example of that. BuzzFeed been in been in the news a lot for a lot of different reasons. I think they're going to survive because they're just saying, "Oh, look, we've got, you know, millions of customers and millions of of readers that subscribe to our stuff in multiple different ways. What do they want to buy?" Mm-hmm. They want to buy all this all all kinds of things. So that's where you're going to see that you shouldn't be surprised that Wall Street Journal or New York Times or the Financial Times are going to launch products and services. First of all, cuz they have to. Because <laughs> advertising is harder to sell than ever before. But second, why not? Why shouldn't they? They absolutely should. So there's no if we if we take the idea of there's difference between media companies and non-media companies, then the potential is is unlimited. So well, that's what we talk about in the book. How do you build loyal audiences, and then how do you monetize those audiences? And just really look at there's a different reason for why we're in marketing, and I think there's a better purpose behind why we market instead of just trying to sell more widgets.
0: Brilliant. Brilliant. Well, that's, that sounds like. Um it really makes you think differently about marketing and, and even your business model, actually. So so when's, when's that out, Joe?
1: Oh, it, it, so it just came out. just came out a, a couple months ago. So Killing Marketing. Uh, and you can go to killingmarketing.com and, and check it out. And, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, I believe in the title. I think that a lot of us have to re- look at how we're marketing. Uh, and we've just seen it time and time again. We go into the smallest of the largest companies in the world. And they're, they're always coming at it about, oh, my God, how do we get more leads? How do we put more in the funnel? How do we, you know, we, instead of saying, who are we talking to? Who's the, who, who's the audience here? How can we deliver value to that audience outside the products and services that we offer? If we do that really well, then we can sell them anything.
0: Yeah, Absolutely. Well, I look forward to, uh, to to reading that, um, Joe. There's no no good place to end this conversation. I could talk to you all day, but but that's all we've got time for. I usually say at this point, how can people how can people get in touch with you? <laughs> but I think. I think I know the answer. It's sod off and don't contact me for at least six months. Is that? <laughs> well, here,
1: so here's the deal. I, yeah, I'll be on. Uh, I'll be on no electronics through January 2018. So if you, usually Joe Palitzzi, P U L I Z Z I, on Twitter is a really good place to find me. Uh, JoePalitzzi dot com. Uh, you can find out what I'm doing, all that stuff. But I won't be very active in getting back to you till you know. I'll get. Back, I'll start getting back on in February and March and and see how things go. But. uh you know, I'm still doing some speaking. I'll still be out there, um, you know, promoting killing marketing and stuff like that. But won't be as involved in CMI. But uh, you know, contentmarketinginstitute.com for all the content marketing education needs. But uh, I'm hoping I come. Maybe I'll come back, Brian, with a different perspective on what's going on in marketing. Who knows? Yeah. So, well,
0: I'll I'll look forward to uh, to finding out, and I'll be. Um I'd be really interested to see just how long you can sit still. <laughs> <laughs> as, you can
1: see, as you can tell I'm not very passionate about this.
0: Okay? <laughs> Absolutely, that <I> comes across <laughs> loud and clear Joe. Yeah. So Joe, listen, thanks very much for coming on. I'm gonna let you go. I'm gonna wish you best of luck with um with your sabbatical. Um and hopefully You know, no matter what happens, rain or shine, I'll speak to you again at least another two years,
1: eh? Another two years, two (laughs) thousand nineteen. Looking forward to it, Brian.
0: Magic. Thanks a lot, Joe. Take care.
1: I love talking about this stuff because it's too it's too easy right now because everybody's out there talking, Oh, we gotta get how do we get found here and search and they're talking about all these different content marketing methods. I'm like, I don't I can't talk about any of that stuff right now because you don't have a strategy. Mm -hmm. You don't you don't (laughs) it just you're not even doing the basics. It I, I, n nine out of ten companies we go in do not have any kind of documented strategy when we go in. Yeah, They're listen. just creating lots of stuff. Yeah, so
0: we find exactly the same. Yeah. So you know, so there's a lot of opportunity for all of us. Yeah, so. absolutely. Well, best of luck with uh, with Thank your time you. off. I yeah. hope it really just hits all the notes you're looking for. So guys, that's all we've got time for. That's the end of another show. I hope you've enjoyed that as much as me. Join me next week for more storytelling pearls of wisdom. Thanks a lot.